0: You're listening to the second episode of the Bossy Sauce podcast by me, Kristen Diane McDonald. This is a mature topic today and a story that has really altered my perspective on where we are when it comes to victim blaming. I want to share this story today because a lot of the people involved wouldn't even recognize what they were doing as victim blaming. The perpetrator was adored by the community and viewed as a local hero. For more information on this story and details on the resources, please visit TheBossySauce.com. Let's forget that attention-grabbing blog and podcast title for a minute. I know that's hard to do. You're here because it's provocative and disturbing and grabbing your attention. Still, I need you to forget it for just a minute so that I can paint a picture for you. I attended Thurston High School in Springfield, Oregon, which is a suburb of Eugene, Oregon, for my freshman year in 1999-2000. Please don't do the math. (laughs) Thurston was a great public school, and from what I hear, it still is. My brother, Easton, who's 21 years younger than I am, is a freshman at Thurston right now. The school has always been recognized for having fantastic sports and extracurricular activities like dance team, baseball, football, basketball, and theater. I've never been much of a sports ball gal. I've gravitated towards the stage at multiple times in my life. At Thurston, I joined the theater program and took part in plays like Hello Dolly and One Axe, along with participating in every possible theater class available like improv, which was so much fun. The theater teacher and person responsible for putting on all the plays was Mr. Fisher, or Michael Fisher, or Mike Fisher, or Fish, depending on who you are and what you called him. Mr. Fisher wasn't your average teacher. He was magnetic. It was like we were living our very own theatrical Mr. Holland's opus. He made all of his students feel unique and empowered to handle independent thought. When you were a teen, not many adults cared about your opinions on things that really mattered. And Fisher not just acted the part, but he genuinely cared about treating us like we were equals and capable of handling important content. He also won awards as a playwright and, you know, had a not very recognized indie film that he produced from one of his plays. If I remember correctly, Uh, I can't find that info online, but his resume was pretty remarkable for a public school theater teacher. Fisher allowed the students to select a lot of the plays we wanted to perform, and sometimes that included controversial topics. After one of the performances, a parent filed a complaint with the school district regarding a few lines in a play, including one that had something to do with beating someone over the head with rosary beads. I tried to find that article to quote it accurately, but this was 1999-2000 before everything was auto-posted online and, you know, people still read newspapers. Aside from our opinions on whether or not we think public school students should be saying things like this in high school plays or if we believe this was a worthwhile cause, the students that were very interested in the uniqueness that the Thurston Theater program offered were concerned about preserving it. And they were right to feel that it was threatened. The school board decided that all performed content needed to be approved by the school district superintendent. And theater participants felt that this was taking away their right to free speech. To a lot, it also felt like this was directly targeting a beloved teacher, Michael Fisher. They weren't going to stand for it and a considerable amount of the school walked out in protest in the middle of a school day. I don't know the exact number or percent of the school that walked out, but it was 25% on the low end and 50% on the high end. I was young, and I'm now relying on my memory, and I likely amplified the moment. The students that did stay on property reported that the classrooms did feel pretty empty, though. The local news showed up and after a long rainy Oregon day of protesting, the school board backed off and said they would no longer require censorship of our theatrical content. The walkout resulted in Saturday detention. It was so large, it needed to be held in the cafeteria and it felt more like a social gathering parents that supported us even brought in donuts. The events surrounding the school board seemed to subside, or at least from my student perspective. I moved to Florida to live with my mom for the next school year, and that was my last experience having Michael Fisher as a teacher and a play director. I attended Key West High School, which was very well known for their choir, but not so much for their theater. I tried out for the fall play anyway. I didn't have to read any lines to audition, all I had to do was sing Happy Birthday to get a role, and I knocked it out of the park. Or so I thought. I learned over time that Key West High School was a constant popularity contest and even the teachers were in on it. But not many could even sing Happy Birthday in tune. So, my calculations for how many roles there were and students that could carry a tune meant that I could at least end up in the play's choir. Anyone that knows me knows that I can sing pretty well. If I were to put my level of abilities into words in my youth, I could have stood a chance at getting a ticket to Hollywood on the right year. I would probably have limited coverage until I just disappeared into thin air though. Look, I know I can sing, but I've had enough time on this earth to know there are a lot of great singers out there. To my surprise though, at Key West High School, I couldn't even get a role as a singing tree in Dorothy's Road to Oz. After that heartbreak, I gave up on theater and I left my thespian self in Oregon. Funny enough, I learned 15 years later that my mom went to the school that day and chewed the theater teacher out. And I just think that's amazing and hilarious. (laughs) Um, When I went to visit my dad the next summer, school in Oregon was still finishing up and it finished later than Key West and I was invited by a friend to attend an after-school theater gathering where the students talked about what they wanted to do the next year. I remember the feeling of being missed in that community, and people were excited to see me. One friend told me that Mr. Fisher had asked where I was at the beginning of the school year, and she told him that I moved. She said he seemed genuinely upset, and her saying that really resonated with me and made me feel so special that he remembered me and felt my loss in the theater program. So, now we're going to skip 15 years as time passed and as I left that part of my life behind me. I'm now well into my adulthood and Facebook recommends Michael Fisher to me as a connection. It looked like he was intertwined with a lot of prior students, even working with some in community theater programs. So, I sent out a request to connect and he accepted. He was the only teacher I ever connected with on social media. It looked like Fisher was doing well too. He was the founder and principal at the Academy of Arts and Academics, which was also called A3. It was a highly coveted art school to attend in the Springfield, Oregon area. Michael and I wouldn't get engage very often on social media, but maybe a couple times a year, one of us would like or comment on something. For example, when I bought my home in Berkeley, he liked it. Then, out of the blue, My stepmom sends me an article stating that Michael Fisher had been put on administrative leave by the school board for an investigation into misconduct involving sexual abuse and statutory rape of one of his students when they were a minor. I was completely blown away. Was my all-time favorite teacher not who I thought he was. I felt confused and I immediately went to the web to read up on it. The lengthy and detailed police report and intake from the interview of the now woman was online, with her name blacked out, thankfully. After reading it, I was completely convinced of his guilt. I felt for the woman who had been victimized by his magnetic field in a manipulative way, because I knew how magical he seemed to a child. I may be a poor online researcher, but I believe the police report has since disappeared because of the ongoing investigations and suits and possibly to protect her. Lieutenant Scott McGee is the officer working this case, and he said, The survivor was subject to long-term abuse. I read the whole report, and I believe the intake was thorough. Then, I thought about the most recent Facebook post I saw of his a couple weeks prior. He said, I discovered Church's 2013 tune, Mother We Share, a few months ago and was immediately impressed. Now I'm just proud. He was referencing an article where the female lead singer of the band, Churches was catcalled on stage and later on social media, and then she stood up for herself. I scrolled down further and I saw a post where he shared a blog article. I'm guessing it was from a prior student. Uh, they either wrote it or shared it with him. And it was about the Me Too movement. He was thanking the woman for sharing it with him. This was a few months prior to the news breaking. I marinated on these posts and it really bothered me. It took me a while to really figure out why. Why? I concluded it was because Fisher was putting a message out there that he was advocating for women's rights to privacy, their personal space, their right to feel comfortable around men. Was he doing this for redemption, to deflect, or as bait? We'll never really know for sure. That church's post was the last Facebook post that Michael Fisher ever made. After the accusations of sexual misconduct came out publicly. He killed himself. Because he never stood trial or stayed with us to explain or defend himself, the investigation continued without him, and it's still ongoing. The woman who spoke up wasn't initially seeking any retribution. A police officer called her because he received a tip that she was abused by Fisher. He flew across the country to take her statement. It appeared that she just wanted to move on with her life. It's been a little over two years now since the news broke and she's now taken out a $5 million lawsuit against the school district for some members knowledge of the misconduct and them not reporting it. The position I'm taking in this article is that he's guilty. There's either a lack of evidence or it's being hidden from the public to rightfully protect the survivor. The events of Michael Fisher being suspended for the investigation and his suicide happened within hours. To me, that's an admission of guilt. I could truly see how a trial by media could cause an innocent person to succumb to the horrible act of giving up on life. And not that I'm condoning it, but Mike gave us no defense and didn't fight it. He gave up almost immediately. I take the stance of believing victims, and I only add the statement in here really as a preemptive counter argument because I've seen what others have said and likely will refute after reading this. And Michael Fisher may have also had more victims. Believe it or not, there's a lot of mixed feelings about the victim and advocators of Fisher's innocence. I'm not talking about a handful of folks here. In the Springfield, Eugene, Oregon area, this topic has been as polarizing as the presidential election. Facebook threads sprung up and there was a varying degree of victim blaming or a very high level of sympathizing for Fisher. Some were mild in sensitivities because they were grappling with losing a close friend and now have to deal with a good friend's image being tarnished. Others were more straightforward. Someone even started a Facebook page called Truth Seekers for Fish. I'm not sure if I'm blocked or if the page has since been deleted. I defended the victim, but tried to express empathy for the dilemma of losing someone twice in the same month. I think I was blocked, even if the page was later deleted or reported. One high school friend of mine that's a mother many times over, who will remain nameless, she reached out to me on Facebook Messenger after the news broke. In one of her messages she wrote, as callous as it comes off, If it was just one girl who was consenting, why come forward? But that's just the side of me that's mad and sad that my friend's dead, not the logical side that says she has every right to come forward, to stop it from happening again. I was surprised at her perspective. She has daughters, some in middle school. I do admit that I didn't vocalize my concern for her statement at the time, and my regret has stayed with me. I'll respect the privacy of the victim, but I will say that the details of the report are explicit in nature and detailed beyond the imagination of any person I've met. I believe her. I know that may not seem like a powerful statement for those not close to this story. It seems like the obvious response, right? This has been divisive for those close to it. It appears that this abuse transitioned from her earlier teen years into adult years and young adulthood. This is part of the defense for those who believe that Michael Fisher must be innocent. First, even if we legally become adults the day we turn 18, let's be real here, our 18th birthday isn't a magical day where all this wisdom is bestowed upon us and we psychologically blossom into full grown adults. Secondly, This was abuse, the kind that started as a child and it carried with her into adulthood until she was able to separate herself. Even then, Fisher pursued her by signing up to the same gym she went to and he tried to be present in her circles. She had to move to get away from her abuser. As humans, we put a lot of things into two categories, black and white, wrong and right, good or bad, left or right. Maybe it's the Libra and me. I think actions can be wrong or right. People are not one or the other mostly, though, and we're not mostly anything. We're usually somewhere in the middle, living in the gray. We thought Michael was this bright white light, but he was living in his own dark gray. I've struggled with depression, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did too. He did some unforgivably horrible things, but he did provide some positive experiences too. People are complicated. It's okay to feel confused by this, but the praise people, that's gotta stop. I've thought a lot about why people held on so tightly to their memories with Michael Fisher, to the point of even questionable values. The best answer I can come up with is that we all self-identified through him and he made us feel so special. We tie a lot of our identities into groups and Michael, the founder and leader of our group, threw a bomb into it. There's just no glue that'll put that vase back together. If I were to take this even one level deeper, the year before my freshman year at Thurston High School, there was a school shooting. This was at a time when it wasn't common yet and students didn't widely have cell phones or have drills for what to do. And schools were also learning how to react to the aftermath. Two students died along with the shooter's parents. It was really tragic. And when I attended Thurston, there was this connectivity and bond because most had gone through something truly frightening. Michael Fisher was the theater teacher at the time. And he was the type to help students tap into their emotions to deal with grief and PTSD. I saw how genuine he was or seemed. And I really want to believe that came from a good place where his intentions were pure and he got lost somewhere along the way. We can still value our memories of our teen years in theater and with Michael if we were the lucky enough ones for those to be positive experiences I just think we need to recognize that the special feelings he gave us that elevated us to feel like we were adults. Well, maybe that's because he had a hard time detaching and he felt that way towards us. The difference is that he wasn't just a cool teacher pushing us out of our comfort zones and into adulthood. He felt like we were already there with him. Teachers need to keep a distance from their students physically and emotionally For some, he was forever damaging. I will include his family in that. I can't imagine having the magical, mystical, and magnetic Michael Fisher as your father or husband and losing him. Then having to deal with the news of his demons without getting to address them with him directly. It is unfair. We need to give his family our support and understanding. I hear they protest his innocence still. Why am I sharing this story? Well, I didn't realize that victim shaming or victim blaming really happened to this level until I witnessed it closely in 2018. People cared more about preserving their childhood memories of an amplified hero than believing someone who was reluctant to come forward about her sexual abuse. I understand that Michael Fisher is no longer with us and that complicates things. The high level of praise, though, that confuses some who believe in the right of victims to tell their story, and it's the kind of thing that will prevent others from coming forward. The investigation is still in the alleged status, and I will for sure get some backlash for this article for those that believe in his innocence, especially because I was only at thurston for one year and i was one year shy of experiencing the horror of the thurston shooting i didn't get as close to michael fisher as a lot of students did but i still felt his presence in my life what i do know though is that no one has come out in defense of this woman on a grand scale and she needs support i don't know her name and i don't want to let's respect that and just provide support by learning from this lesson We need to start believing victims and survivors and stop glorifying predators. It's 2020 everyone. It's just time. Thank you for listening to episode two of the bossy sauce podcast by me, Kristen Diane McDonald. This was a topic that I really wanted to talk about, but not every week will be this intense. I look forward to bringing you more content and introducing you to some amazing women and allies of women. You can learn more about me, stay updated on new postings and episodes, and sign up for the newsletter at thebossysauce.com.